The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The Gospel of the Lord. So today's gospel follows on from what we had yesterday, which is, uh, again, when St. John says to the Lord, it speaks about the man who was casting out and working miracles in the, in the name of Jesus. And the Lord says to him, do not hinder them. And so do not stop those who are, again, in these initial movements of grace or those who act with a bit of belief in the name of Jesus Christ. And now he shows also the power of the name, uh, this powerful name of Jesus, when he says to his disciples, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose his reward. And as one of the church fathers notes, which is that a cup of water is one of the least acts of charity that we can work for another person. We give them just a cup of water to drink in order to quench their thirst. It's one of the least acts of charity. And so even the smallest acts of kindness will be rewarded abundantly by God when it is done for his sake when the intention is right. And so what we see here, what the Lord is saying, is that it is not the water itself that has the value. It's not the value of the water that is the measure of the reward. It is the intention of the giver and the one who receives. It's the persons who are involved. And so when the person gives for the name of Christ, in Christ's name, that is what then makes the action meritorious. The charitable action then uh, will not lose its reward. And so there is both reward, but there is also punishment. And so just as the reward will be great to anyone who gives to someone else for the name of Christ, so also anyone who causes one of the little ones who believe in the Lord to sin, it would be better if a great millstone were tongue around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. As one of the church fathers says, is that what the Lord is saying here is it would be better for him meaning that whatever the punishment is, is actually greater than this, than having a millstone tied around your neck and to be thrown into the sea. And so there's many types of interpretation, especially amongst the church fathers, as to what this means. But obviously it's the referring to the eternal sufferings of hell. 
And so to have a millstone hung around our neck and to be thrown into the sea is to be put into a place that is contrary to our nature. It's where our nature struggles to survive. So if we were thrown into the sea, it's not what we were made for. We can survive as long as we can get air. But if there was a millstone tied around our neck, again, it is to be cut off from that source of life that we need. And so the sufferings of hell are similar to that, but will be worse than that because it will be in a place where it is not the fulfillment of our nature, but the opposite is the eternal frustration of our nature, the eternal sufferings of hell, and where we are cut off from that breath of life, from that breath of the Holy Spirit. And we are unable then, and we are not living with that divine life within us. And so this is that suffering that is uh, in hell. And the Lord says also is that in hell, the other suffering is where their worm does not die. It means their worm, literally the one that belongs to them. And so St. John Chrysostom interprets this as the conscience. This is our conscience. Our conscience is put at peace when we are forgiven by God, when we confess our sins and are forgiven by him. And then our conscience rests within us and is at peace. But if we do not experience that forgiveness, then the conscience is always gnawing at us in the interior. And so what St. John Chrysostom says is that the worm that does not die is the suffering of a conscience that repented too late, did not repent and did not seek forgiveness before death. And so it is in an eternity of turmoil where the conscience does not die, where that worm continues to eat the interior and cause that interior suffering. But not only is there a worm that does not die, there is also a fire that is not quenched. And St. Augustine says that this represents the suffering of the loss of God for all eternity, which is the principal and primary suffering of hell. It is the worst suffering of hell. The suffering of knowing that for all eternity we will never possess God. And so that burns, as St. Augustine says, like an unquenchable fire. The sorrow of the loss of God is like a fire that burns and consumes for all eternity. And so what we have to look at then is that we do not end there. And that's what St. James is saying in his first letter. He's giving, as he's presenting before the people and speaking to them about the riches of the earth and the kingdom of heaven, the riches of heaven. And that our life needs to be oriented towards heaven and needs to disregard to a, a certain extent the riches of this life which can be enjoyed in as much as they are enjoyed in right reason and in right order, but that our focus must be on our eternal reward with God. And anything that would frustrate that should be cut out from our life. And that's what the Lord is saying when he speaks to his disciples now, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Meaning anything that would frustrate you from achieving the kingdom of heaven, cut it out of your life. And now there are certain things that we can cut out and certain things that we cannot. But what the Lord is saying is that make sure that we are not willfully putting into our life the things that would lead us into sin. And so a lot of the church fathers, they interpret this hand and this foot and this eye as different friendships, different relationships that we have. And so if certain friendships are causing us to go astray, then they should be cut out. This is obviously not a reference to those who are married, right? This doesn't mean that if someone you think is causing you to sin right, now it's time to cut them out. 
That's a vocational call, right? That is to be bound to a cross in a very particular way. And the mission is to then, the two become one. That's not something that can be put asunder by men what has been united by God. I only say that because I had someone ask me once, right? <laughs> and so again, for married people, this is not something we can cut out. But for friendships, for other relationships that might be causing us to move away from God, they must be put aside. Any company which corrupts good morals must be cut off and put aside. But it can also be to do with situations, right? Hands. What do we work? Is our work causing us to sin? Then maybe we need to consider whether or not it must be cut out. Our foot. Where do we go? If the locations and the places where we go are causing us to sin, we need to reconsider whether or not we should cut them out. And our eyes. What do we look at? What do we pay attention to? If our eyes are causing us to sin, then maybe it must be plucked out, whatever it is that is holding our attention that is not God. But the remedy is also, I think, is always Eucharistic adoration and coming to spend time with the Lord. Because just as bad company can corrupt good morals, the opposite is also true. To be in good company can sanctify us. To be in good company with Jesus can cause us to become better and to become more and more holy. If we take up, a, again, a time of adoration, it is to work for a good thing. And in that way, our work or our hands are not causing us to sin, but if we spend time with the Lord in that labor of love and prayer, that can also sanctify us and draw us towards heaven. If our foot causes us to sin, meaning the locations, as we've said, so also if we put ourselves in a good location, that can push us towards heaven. There is no better location than to be close to the Savior, Jesus Christ himself. If our eye causes us to sin, well then let's remedy it by paying attention to things that are good, looking upon things that are beautiful, and turning our eyes towards God. The best way we can do that is to come into Eucharistic adoration and allow our eyes to rest upon the Savior and allow that gaze to sanctify us. In that way we are repairing maybe for some of the other things in our life that might be pulling us away from God. And we remedy that by putting ourselves in his presence, by spending time with him, and by gazing upon our Eucharistic King. Amen.